Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And this is what Job talked about in prayer, that he said he's going to do that in Job 9.14. Job 9.14, he was talking about answering God. He said, Job 9.14, how much less shall I answer him and choose out my words to reason with him? He's like a lawyer. You know, if you go in front of a judge and you keep saying the same thing, you're gonna be thrown out of court. But lawyers spend a lot of time choosing the words of their brief, choosing the words of what they're gonna say to the judge to reason. And this is what Job said in Job 9.14, I'll choose out my words to reason with him. So. In order to choose out the words to reason with God, it means don't use superstitious repeating of the same words or beads and so forth. It's easy for us to, to do this. It's easy for us to fall into this trap, you know, with Christianese phrases where we don't even think about what we're saying, but we just repeat the same words, you know. So the Lord speaks of another problem in prayer in verse six, uh, verse eight, verse eight, where he says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. So he says, this is a problem if you're praying and you don't understand that God knows what you have need of before you ask him. So this is the same truth, your father knows what you have need of before you ask him, that God said to Israel, God said to Israel in Isaiah 65, 24. Isaiah 65, 24 says, and it shall come to pass before they call, I will answer. And while they're speaking, I will hear. Now, this is hard for us, you know, because, you know, we come rushing to God and, and we, you know, hear these things, you know, you're, you're going to answer before I call? Wait a minute. How can God answer before I call? I haven't told him everything yet. It's so easy for us to treat God like our mother that we're calling on the phone and we're telling her what happened. And what the Lord is telling us about prayer is that we don't have to go into such details about the problems like we're bringing news to God, you know, like we're trying to bring God up to speed, you know, what's happening here. No, he says uh, prayer, and so this is the point about prayer from what he said, your father knows you have a need of, before you ask him. Prayer is not meant to inform God. That's not the purpose of prayer. That's not the meaning of prayer. Well, if prayer is not meant to inform God, then what is prayer meant for? Prayer is not for God's benefit, Prayer is not for God's benefit to find out information. It's not to bring them up to speed on what's happening. Prayer is not for God's benefit. Prayer is for man's benefit. It's for our benefit. And what are the benefits that we get from prayer? One, prayer is meant to set before us our dependence on God. By asking God and then seeing God give what we ask for, that strengthens our dependence 
on God. And this was Israel's problem. When they didn't understand this in Hosea 2.8, Hosea 2.8, when God said about Israel, she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold. So prayer helps us Prayer helps us to see the truth of James 1.17. James 1.17 says, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So, and especially when we give thanks to God in prayer, that helps us to see that everything is coming from God. So that's the first thing it does. It helps us to strengthen our dependence on God, to recognize our dependence on God, and to see everything comes from God. Second, Benefit for us. Prayer, it's meant to humble man. You know, it says in 1 Peter 5, 6, 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So that's a command that we are to humble ourselves. But how do you do that? How do you humble yourself? You just walk around and you say, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. How do you humble yourself? Well, we humble ourselves by prayer. Because the more we pray, the more we were humbled. That's a good thing. The more we are humbled. So that's a benefit. Prayer prayer is meant to humble us. Prayer is also meant to wake up inside of us desire for God in heaven. That's what prayer is meant for. It's meant to awaken us, to to stir up our desire for prayer in heaven. It, It helps us to focus our desire for God. It increases our desire for God. Like David said in Psalm 38, 9, Psalm 38, 9, Lord, all my desire is before thee. The way the prayer does this is that it turns our attention away from ourself and towards God. And the more that a person puts their attention on themselves, the more God withdraws from that person. And the extreme case of this in the Bible, of putting attention on self and God withdrawing from that person, is seeing in what happened to Herod. What happened to Herod in Acts 12.21? Acts 12.21, it says, upon a certain set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, it's the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately, The angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms, gave up the ghost. So that's an extreme case of a person who puts so much attention on himself and God withdrawing from the person. And now another command that's given to us in Scripture is in Colossians 3.2. Colossians 3.2 says, set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. So how do you do that? How do you set your affections on things? How do you set your interests on things above? How do you set your love on things above? And the answer is by prayer, by prayer. Prayer causes us to love God. Sincere prayer, fervent prayer, thoughtful prayer causes us to love God and to want to be with God. And that's a good thing. That's a benefit for us. And then Prayer strengthens our relationship with God. It makes our relationship with God stronger. Just by starting, the Lord is gonna give us a model here, and the model starts off with our Father. But just by starting prayers with the word Father strengthens our relationship with God. I told you last week I was with my middle son, Joseph in Loretto, 
I never realized, it was really great to hear him call me dad. It was better than Tom, but it is what he called me dad. And it strengthens the relationship when you say that. Romans 8.15, Romans 8.15 talks about that, us calling God dad. Romans 8.15, you have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Dad. Galatians 4.6, Galatians 4.6 says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of a son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So every prayer that we make is like a letter that we send from earth to God in heaven. And our prayer, it starts off with an address, you know, our Father, the Lord Jesus, it has an address, and it's always God. It's never angels, it's never saints, it's never Mary. And so this is important. Now, another benefit of prayer is that prayer, it encourages our hope in God. It encourages our hope in God. Because when we pray, we turn with our needs and and we hope in God, or we turn with requests that builds up our hope in God. Also, along this line, prayer benefits us because it's meant, prayer is meant to remind us that our heavenly Father and our home in heaven and our inheritance and our reward, they're all above. They're not here. They're all above. And this is what's meant in Philippians 3.20. Philippians 3.20, which says, for our conversation is in heaven. Also, we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. You know, that's another way of just saying that we are citizens of the state of heaven and not of the state of earth. Okay, now the Lord has been talking to us a lot about all the wrong ways to pray. Of course, you know, he does that, it kind of builds in us, well, okay, what's the right way to pray? And so now, he now turns with the word therefore. He's told us all the bad things, many bad things, not all bad things, but he said many bad things, and now he turns with therefore in verse nine. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So he starts off by saying, after this manner, therefore pray ye. After, by saying that, after this manner pray ye, the Lord was not giving the Lord's prayer as exact words. You know, by saying after this manner pray ye, the Lord is not giving in the Lord's prayer an exact formula for what to say in prayer. Having, having already said to not use vain repetitions in prayer, when he goes on to say, after this manner, the Lord is not giving the Lord's prayer as a vain repetition to pray. When he says, after this manner, the Lord is saying, pray along these lines, pray in this direction, but give some thought to it, choose your words, choose your own words, in your own words. And so what he means here, when he says, after this manner, pray, he's meaning in your own words. I'm just giving you a model here. What you see here in this model is that he's covering certain general areas. In the Lord's Prayer, King Jesus is drawing up for us a guideline for prayer, and King Jesus is gonna love to answer a prayer that follows this guideline. So it's meant for us, the Lord's Prayer is meant for us to use as a guideline to pray in our own words, which requires thought, it requires the Job 9.14. I'm gonna choose out my words to reason with him. Now, before we start, we're gonna start to consider what's called the Lord's Prayer. It's important to see how this is a wrong title for this prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. 
The Lord never would pray this prayer himself because the Lord would never pray, verse 12, forgive us our debts. He didn't have any debts to be forgiven for. He's sinless. Never had a debt of sin to be forgiven for. So this is not his prayer. So the title of the Lord's Prayer, it should really be the prayer the Lord taught us as an example for his followers to pray. But that title has 13 words. And I'm gonna get tired saying that every time. And so, I mean, I could stick with the three words, the Lord's Prayer, but I think it's better to call this as a title, the Lord's Prayer Guide. The Lord's Prayer Guide. To kind of give the idea that this is what he's saying after this manner as in following this guide. So before getting into some of the details of the Lord's Prayer Guide, we wanna kind of see the direction. Where's he going? We need to have a little overview of the Lord's Prayer Guide. So first of all, the Lord's Prayer Guide here, in the few words, it's got a few short words, he is covering an infinite number of requests. He's compressed it down to a few short words. Now, the prayer opens with a statement of relationship. It calls the God of heaven our Father. Any prayer that anybody makes, even the prayer of Bob Dylan, is a prayer of knock, knock, knock on heaven's door. It's a prayer of knocking on God's door. And just as you might do when somebody knocks on your door, on the door of your house, you know, you could call out, who is it, right? And if someone answers and, and you don't know, you might not answer the door because you're thinking, I don't know that person, I don't know that person. And by the way, this is exactly what will happen to many when they knock on the door of heaven, on Jesus' door of heaven to be let in, and the Lord Jesus is not gonna open the door but he's gonna say, I don't know you, and this is what he said in Matthew 7.21, Matthew 7.21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You know, they're gonna knock on heaven's door and the Lord Jesus is gonna say, I don't know you, I never knew you. On the other hand, if there's a knock on the door and we said, who is it? And the response is, dad, then you know, we're gonna swing the door wide open. You know, So every prayer is a knock on God's door. And so we're taught right away to identify ourselves with dad, you know, hallowed be your name, or our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So this prayer guide starts with a very important statement of relationship, and then it proceeds to recognize the holiness of God as encompassed in his name when it says, hallowed be thy name, holy be your name, sanctified be your name. So it's very interesting going from the address, the call of relationship, that it does not go to our needs because prayer this prayer guide is not centered on our needs. It goes immediately into God's purposes. It's centered on God's promises when it says, thy kingdom come. As a matter of fact, this is really the central theme of this prayer guide. It's thy kingdom come, it's the kingdom of God. This is all about God's kingdom. This is all about the chief desire and the focus on the person praying. He wants to see God's kingdom. He wants to see it here on earth. But God and his purposes are the focus of the believer's prayer. If he follows this prayer guide, you know, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
Then the next section focuses on our poverty. We are very poor when it says, give us this day our daily bread. We're poor, we don't have bread because we need God to give us bread. And then it says, it goes on and says, forgive us our debts as we forgive others. We're poor because we're sinners and we need God to forgive us for the debts that we can't pay. And it shows our desire to be forgiven by God and it says that if we're really serious about that, then we're gonna forgive others and that we're poor there too. We need God to help us to forgive others. And then it goes on and says, lead us not into temptation. That tells how poor we are. We're afraid of temptation because we know how easily we can fall. We're poor because we fall into temptation. We need God to help us to keep away from temptation. And when we fall into temptation, it says, deliver us. So we're poor because when we fall into sin, we can't get out ourselves. And so we need God to deliver us. And then it, starts, it finishes up, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And therefore, now his prayer guide is finishing with an assurance in the power of God. It's an assurance that we have. We're certain that God's gonna hear us. He's gonna answer our prayers. And so this finish in the prayer guide is really a declaration of faith in God. You know, it's not a statement like the father made to the Lord in Mark 9.21. Mark 9.21, when he asked his father about this son who was possessed, how long is it ago since this came unto him? He said of a child. And oft times he had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So this prayer guide that the Lord has given us does not finish with a declaration of, if you can do anything, have a little pity here. Show a little milk of kindness, you know. Doesn't do that. The Lord's prayer guide finishes with a statement of what the Lord said to the Father. In Mark 9.23, Mark 9.23, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. So the prayer guide here finishes with the statement of all things are possible with you. Why? You have the kingdom, you have the power, you have the glory. So the prayer guide, as we look at it here, you can really see it goes up and it goes down and it goes back up. It goes up, starting with God, and hallowed be his name, and he's in heaven. Then it goes down to our poverty, and it finishes back up to heaven with a desire for God's kingdom to come, and then he can do anything. Down to our weakness, down to our dependence on God, and the prayer guide here is a very humbling experience, because it speaks of the greatness of God and the weakness and dependence of man. It speaks of God the creator, speaks of God the preserver, speaks of God the Redeemer, and then it finishes with God the King. So the prayer guide here is really a guide for devotion. It's a guide for devotion into the holiness of God, the holiness of his name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the holiness of that. I was on a boat last week, and the captain there, frustrated, I don't know what something, and he said the name Jesus Christ. In a very dishonoring way, right away when he said there, he says, I love Jesus Christ, you know? So it's lifting up the honor of his name. Okay, now. Starts with an address, verse nine. Starts with an address, our Father which art in heaven. So the first thing we recognize by this term, our Father which art in heaven, not everyone can say that. Not everyone can call God Father. That is a title for God that can only be used by a child of God. Only children of God are those that have, can call him Father, and only a child of God has made this vital decision, the person has made this decision, God didn't make this decision for the person. The person made this decision. And it wasn't predetermined and pre-elected that he should make the decision. This is the person made the decision. John 1.12. John 1.12. 
as many as received him. You could say as many people as decided to receive him. To them gave he power or authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Only those who have decided and have gone through and received the Lord Jesus Christ are the children of God. And they believe in his name. And that was characterizes them. They believe in his name. What's his name? Jesus, which means God saves. So only those who have experienced God saving them from their sins are the children of God. Are the only ones who can call God Father. Christ means Messiah or sent one. Only those that believe that the Lord Jesus is the only one who's been sent by God to save them from their sins, those are the only ones who can call God Father. Only a born-again believer can do this. Not everyone can. You know, this can be seen especially in the saved Jewish remnant because those are the Jews who have called on the name and they believe into the name of the Lord Jesus to save them from their sins, and they have experienced a rejection by the Jewish people. For example, when I went to want to go buy a house for the, in Israel for the ministry, and I wanted to buy it within 93%, 93% of the land of Israel is owned by the Israeli government, and people live there by a lease. So I learned that I could buy a house on 93% of the land because I had the right of return, because both my mother and my father were Jewish, and that made me Jewish. But I also learned that I could not buy a house on 93% of the land of there, because I didn't have the right of return, because I was baptized. So in Israel, a Jewish person who is baptized is no longer officially recognized as a Jew. And it's this rejection of being a Jew that the saved Jewish followers of the Lord Jesus experienced when they prayed in Isaiah 63, 16. Isaiah 63, 16, they pray, doubtless, they call God, doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. So what they said there is that Israel acknowledge us not, which means Israel said to these Jewish believers, you are no longer acknowledged as Jewish. You know, they've said, you are no longer acknowledged as Jewish. We do acknowledge 85% of the Israelis who are atheists as Jewish, but you've been baptized and you're no longer acknowledged as Jewish. Okay, Isaiah 63, 16. Though Israel acknowledge us not. But twice in their prayer in Isaiah 16, they say, doubtless, Thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our father. So to call God our father is a great privilege. It's only for born-again believers. By the way, since Israel barred me as a baptized believer from buying a house on 93% of the land of Israel that the government owns, what did God do? He gave me a wonderful house to buy on the 7% of the land that Israel does not own. That's what he did, but anyway. So our Father is a wonderful way to start prayer. The Lord Jesus, you can be talking to God the Father, you can say Father, you're talking to the Lord Jesus, you can say Father, because the Lord Jesus is also called Father. He's called the everlasting Father in Isaiah 9.6. Isaiah 9.6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So, here we have the beginning of this prayer with our Father. And now he's going to go into the different parts that we've already covered a little bit in the overview, but next week we'll get into more of the nitty-gritty of the Lord's prayer guide. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus and for him taking the time to help us in prayer, Lord, so we don't fall into these traps and that we follow, Lord, your guide. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 